This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror, a podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films uh, from a expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And today, uh, Steve and I are taking a look at the 2016 film Southbound. Yes, this is an anthology film directed by a slew of directors. Yeah. Uh, namely, which is uh, David Bruckner, Patrick uh, Hovatch, uh, Radio Silence, and Roxanne Benjamin. Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting film. Uh, actually, it, it had its major release in 2016, but its festival release, I guess, in 2015. I heard a lot of amazing things about this movie i was very excited about it uh, ahead of time and when we saw it for this i don't know maybe maybe there was too much hype behind it but i did not enjoy it the way i thought i would well I, it turns out i actually had seen quite a bit of this movie just by uh, by accident supposedly really? i had like stumbled upon this uh like weird clip on youtube of basically what was essentially the first sort of short scene okay uh from this movie where they're like pursued by this like skeletal bat creature right this very strange it, creature that does um it almost looks like a, a husk of something that opens up where you can actually see what's inside yeah. of it at certain points yeah it's a it's a very interesting type of design although like what you might say crudely executed through the use of cgi but uh it turns out that like I had like I did not know that that scene was from this movie, and I was like, oh, this is what that is. Okay, interesting. But uh, the main sort of like hook about this movie is again like it's an anthology movie, and I wasn't really sure how anthology films tend to work in horror movies because this is kind of the first one that I've actually seen. I I'm, I'm a familiar with the term. Like, I know VHS is one. I know that there are a couple of others, like ABCs of Death, I believe. Are, are and and there's, different, there's different versions of uh, anthology films. This one has the intertwining or interlocking stories. Uh, some, yeah, some so have like, that. they sort of seamlessly transition from one to the other. Sure, and, and some have that and some don't. I mean, when we look at something like Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, you have an overarching story, which this, in a way, has an overarching story. You have the first story that wraps around to the final story in the same way that uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, does. But at the same time, then there are stories being told by somebody else through there. And that's how a lot of anthology films early anthology films seem to handle things this this intertwining stuff um it, it seems to be happening more and more lately uh films like trick or treat really put that into uh the forefront now granted there have been other ones that have, that have done this as well but at least the ones that have really um stood out to me really started around the time that trick or treat came out yeah, and so the, the interesting thing about anthology movies, at least to me, is the sort of gimmick that it uses, that the film uses, to 
intertwine all of these stories together. And for this one, it seems to be a fairly straightforward, oh, it is just like this thing is happening right next to something else. Uh, we Like at the tail end of one little scene or story, uh, it just kind of, it almost sort of pans to the left and then we are introduced to another sort of character that is either interacting with or tangentially related to what is happening and then we move on to what is going on with them for the most case. Yeah, and, um, and it, it it is hit or miss depending. Um, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It was. It is almost hit and miss uh, bar for bar. <laughs> sure, and, and there are times, yeah, when, the, when there are, Certain stories are hit and miss. The some are, you know, they have moments and elements that really do stand out, and I I wish were explored further. And then other ones that are just there, and you're wondering what what is this? Why was this put into into this film? Um, this this opening one was interesting. I, th- I think it's a very good opening, actually. I, th- I find it to be a very kind of like attention-grabby, uh, fish-out-of-water situation for the audience, really. Okay, like, you yeah, don't know absolutely. what's going on, and it gets you very intrigued. And, and I found it interesting in the beginning. I, I like the idea of them getting caught in this loop and not being able to escape. So basically, when you're on this highway, essentially it's hell. You're trapped in some sort of hell or purgatory where it just doesn't escape in this nightmare world. And we know that these guys have done something awful. Um, I mean, they're they are patterned in blood. They, they are. are, and you know, they they stop by this uh, convenience store in order to clean up a bit and get some gas, and then he- try and head back out. But they keep end ending up in a loop and seeing the woman who is working there repeatedly as they just keep looping back around, and she seems unfazed by all of this. So. You definitely know that the world that they are entering is extremely strange and the people who live in it are part of this strangeness as well or have come to cope with this strangeness, I suppose. Um, yeah, and I and that's the sort of thing that I like where uh, – I, I, I'll probably mention this a bit, but a sort of Twilight Zone comparison of a, a world that is very established for the people that inhabit it and – the people that are kind of, again, fish out of water, just discovering what's going on in this world is completely foreign to them and surprising, but they're the strange ones for not being uh, adept to it. Well, and, and, and I really, really like that. And it's extremely deadly. I mean, right away, <clears throat> when uh, one of the guys ends up confronting the creature, uh, he ends up having it punch all the way down his throat and tears his jaw open which i really thought was cool i thought that jaw ripping effect was great yeah um it's a very cool effect i think it's a pretty it's a fun kill um but we still don't actually know why these guys are where they are why they're driving away from what they're driving away from and they're kind of stuck in this sort of like loop where they drive past the gas station and they just drive right back up to the gas station and they're just in this infinite type of driving pattern and they don't know how to get out of it and that's a cool interesting little thing to go on sure and i mean it just it just seems like the inexplicable no escape you know you're trying to run away from your past or the things that you've done but it always will catch up to you type situation and it does I and mean, in this case one of the guys gets killed in a very brutal way with the jaw uh rip and another one escapes to the motel nearby 
and then is haunted by this vision of this girl who we're assuming I is guess his it's his daughter, daughter. it's his daughter, his, right? Yeah. So he, he I, sees I his daughter, who I'm guessing has passed away somehow, and he's tormented by this. Um, and that that's the first story. Yeah, and it's as, as kind of scattershot and not all really explained as that first scene is, I found it to be actually quite good because you you kind of have to extrapolate what is going on. They're clearly running from something. They're guilty about something. They've done something wrong. And that's kind of all the information that you need for this small little story. And I, I liked that a little bit. And I love the eeriness of the nonchalantness that this movie, or that the world portrays where he's stuck in this hotel room screaming in anguish because he's tortured uh, by the vision of this little girl that he can't reach because he's just, again, in this infinite loop of turning the corner into her room and then her not being there. And under the watchful gaze of this monster who is just kind of observing him being tortured, uh, it's, it's fascinating to see. And then the casual nature of we pan out from the closed hotel door, a maid just puts on a do not disturb sign and then just walks right past into the next door where we meet our next uh, story. And that's an awesome transition. That's a great and I, I sort think, of. I think like, the transitions are good. And I, I agree with you. I, I the transitions for this are awesome, but the stories are just they. The weight of the stories just doesn't. It just doesn't seem to carry for me for some reason. Right. Um. With the, and well, with the way the way out went, you know, the guy, his buddy gets killed. This creature tears him apart. We have no. We don't really know what these creatures are, why they're there. There's no real explanation. And then it just goes from one thing to the next. So from right away, I see this world as not being real. I see it as more of a... Some sort of ethereal type of state of mind purgatory place. Yeah, kind of like a Bermuda Triangle, except, you know, on land. You know, the kind yeah, of like sure. this weird Bermuda Triangle that's in the middle of the desert. Uh and then we, you know, we end up into Siren, which is our second story, which is about uh, a band called the White Tights, and there are three members of this group. I guess the fourth one um, ended up dying, uh, and they they kind of you know, they bring it up a few times, so you know that there's there's some tensions and some issues. So you so you get some backstory on them, which is really which is really nice. Um, I like that, but it all seems for naught, though, when you start going through this film. It's like you put in backstory, you put in backstory, but there's really no payoff to it. It just seems like filler in order to pad out what would be normally a five or six minute short into something that's about 20 to 25 minutes, right? Exactly. And based on this story, I I get the sense that uh, we get more of an, a sense of the inhabitants of the world, or at least... The people, the regulars, you might say. Sure, yeah, yeah. Of who, of who lives in the Southland, you might say. And th this I like. I'm always very intrigued by a, like, faux, that creepy, like, 1950s Art Deco-like type of thing where everything's fine and nothing sinister is happening at all. And you're crazy, not me. Uh, that that That's a kind of aesthetic in horror tropes that I like. Uh, as much of a sucker as I am for it, it's it's something that I kind of gravitate towards. Even though, like, it's a very simple setup for these three girls that are just 
road tripping out to wherever the fuck and having a like nice time. Yeah, I mean they're I mean, going they're on with their this, next. It, they're going to their next gig. They're trying to get there. You're seeing how they yeah. live their life, and it's, you know, it's very much like the traveling band, um, yeah, mentality. Th- when it, and this kind, of, oh sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say, um, you know, when they when they break down on the side of the road, they are picked up by a very strange couple who, as you said, have that 1950s 60s mentality of of the way that they live, um you're introduced to their family very strange family they have got the really large the two kids the twins who are just very strange looking um and then they have their friends over as well and it just the conversation just seems a little off between them nothing really seems right and the main girl um i guess it is sadie right she is I guess having the most trouble dealing with this because I guess the other girls are blaming her for for the death, uh, for her death that happened because I guess Alex died in a, a car accident or something. Um, so there's all this weird stuff going on, but they, she is a vegetarian and doesn't want to eat meat. They have this weird charred meatloaf thing that just looks disgusting, but the two other girls end up eating it. And then pretty soon after, they start vomiting up this, like, disgusting black goo. And then the two girls are kind of left there, and they get them to drink this weird, like, it looks kind of like milk or whatever. And then the girls yeah, feel better. Yeah, but they call it medicine. Right, in a very weird way. And then we see the girls, and they, they are conformed to look like the family now. They're wearing these identical dresses um, they're acting very strange, and we realize they are now part of this weird cult group. Um, and I thought this, I actually liked where this story was going. I thought it was really interesting. And then Sadie just watches this ritual, gets caught, runs away, and then gets hit by a car. Yeah. And it just kind of, well, we don't really dig into it as much as I wanted to find out about this cult. I wanted to know more and more, like... We find out that the girls end up getting possessed, their eyes go black, and they're part of whatever this weird demonic type mm. cult is. I, I, see, because here's the thing. The overall creepiness of the family, of them seeming normal, that's cool. Yeah. We want to see the big reveal of what is, what's making them so weird. And I wanted, like, one last thing, one last definitive, like, a, a tentacle monster comes out of one of the women. Exactly. Or something like that. Something And then crazy. that would have been it. But rather than just them kind of eyes rolling over and they're just possessed or creepy. That wasn't exactly as satisfying. Not that I needed, I, I, no, I needed more. I needed something more extreme than just, and that's, and that's oh, we're kind just of taking what I, them out to the woods. And that's what I feel about this movie in general is that I feel like they're, they're putting in some weird, creepy stuff that I guess has some stakes to it, but it's not pushing it to the level that I want to see for this i want to kind of see it go to the extreme and get really batshit crazy and there's moments that do but then i also feel like it just they they rein it in a little bit when they could just keep going you know right and i think so here and here's my uh main issue with it or i think where i might see where you have an issue with it because they want this movie is leaning more so into the mysterious rather than the horrific they want to just give you a glimpse of what's going on and never really answer a full-blown question that this crazy world shows you. And I think that the that perfectly is summa- summarized in the accident, the next uh, sort of short that we get here, 
where where the accident like it actually starts off really really well because she again uh, she gets hit by a car and our perspective is now immediately shifted to the driver of that car and immediately trying to save her life because he just completely plowed her over and he goes into this hospital no one's around like it's completely abandoned. Yeah, I mean, now now to the way it started was just insane. So the girl is is waiting to flag down a car. This guy uh, Lucas is talking to his wife on the phone. He's distracted, and he ends up hitting Sadie, and it is brutal. And he, you know, I I do like the the moment of question where he's still trying to talk on the phone a bit. He's trying. He has to get off the phone. He has this moral dilemma of what to do. But he decides he's going to call 911. He can't figure out where the hell he is. He knows that there's some place nearby. And it's such a strange thing because the dispatcher is talking to him. And then um, an EMT gets on there as well. And they're like, hey, we need you to get her somewhere. We need you to take care of her. Is she okay? Oh, man. It is so brutal. Her leg? Yeah, it's really leg, tense. Man. It's very... It's very, very well paced with how tense that it needs to be because we get the urgency. He desperately, like, brings this, like, battered girl into his car to drive her to this hospital, and nobody's there. And, well, and before we even get to that still, just that it's, you know, it's that moment of of when she is hit lying in the road, and they're telling him that he has to carry her and how bad are the injuries. And you see that the leg especially is just broken away and he has to pick her up. And it's such a, a strange moment because you think of what would you do in that situation where, you know, you have to do this, but it's something you really do not want to do. And it's so visceral. Um, and the fact that, yeah, he gets her in the car, he goes to this place, there's no one in there. You see sandwiches that have been sitting in this hospital for probably months just rotted away. Um, everything is moldy. Things are just in disarray. And he's talking to them, and they're like, no, 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 it's okay, you'll find this doctor. Go find these people. Go find a surgeon. And then a doctor gets on the phone with him as well. And it starts getting really strange because he starts saying stuff. They all say some stuff to him that I don't think he understands in the beginning, but we do where they're saying stuff that they can't know because they cannot, they're not there. So how can they actually say that they, they see certain things or know certain things or are calling out certain names that they've never, you know, it's very, very strange. It's and I like that. I really, really do like that. That's probably one of my favorite, more favorite moments about it, where they're like, "She's dying. She's close to dying. You need to do like." Th they're more coercing him now rather than like talking. And it's very, very creepy. And he's still all alone with uh, yeah. nothing. And and well, and then the and, leg, the leg. They keep going with the leg for a while, where it breaks off more and more. So he has to kind of hold it on a bit, and then it kind of falls off. Right, um, and and she she's clearly just gone. Like, there's no way, even like like it's way yeah. too far gone. For no, her. I mean you know that she that she's gonna end up bleeding out or something's going to happen. But the fact that she's still alive at this point and choking, and this is a character who we followed around for twenty minutes. So this is you know it's one of those things where now we're still following her story, and it's gone even worse than it could have we could have ever imagined it going for. Her. 
Well, they say that, you know, she's choking, she's choking, she doesn't have much time, the tube isn't working. And at that point, you're like, but they can't see this. But for some reason, they know. So you start realizing that, and he doesn't get it yet, that something is very off. And the doctor says, hey, you got to perform this surgery. You have to manually squeeze her lung. And we get this insane scene, this insane surgery scene, where he's like, you have to do it, you have to do it. And he squeezes it, and you think it's going to help. And she ends up dying because of that. He ends up crushing her lung, basically, instead of venting it, crushing it, because that's what they wanted him to do. And they start laughing. And that is where it just gets ex- just so creepy. They just start laughing it's, maniacally. It's so good. Like, this is probably my favorite one. And also, props to, quick shout out, uh, also directed by the same guy that directed a good, uh, a fun one of ours, The Ritual. Yes, David Bruckner. David Bruckner. Uh, this was, vi- I, I like, like this one, yeah. This is this is very good, and it like the second that that happens, he's like distraught. He's riddled with guilt. Can't bear to like think of what he's just done. Still on the phone with these people, and now they're talking him down. Now they're like, "You're fine." Yeah, and you it's did, weird like, because you were never here. They because forget about her, leave her. Well, it was very strange because it almost seems like if this were done by demonic forces that were trying to get him to do this. The fact that he did it, they really enjoyed. So they're basically saying, you did what we wanted. You killed someone. You're allowed to leave now. Right. Because, And this is what you're doing. You're trying to piece together hints about what this world is giving you to kind of give you a picture of what this world's about. Like, why would somebody be on the phone with him? wanting right. her to wanting to essentially kill someone well there's there's part of me that wonders if all of this is just one repeat which we kind of get into later but the way he gets dressed up and the way he's in clean clothes and he's in a new car makes me think that this just keeps happening over and over and over and over my thought is that this sort of place uh, plays to people's extreme guilt right uh, anybody that anybody that has something that they either regret or they have something that uh bogs them down a bit of like a silent hill type of thing okay yeah yeah i can see where you're going with that. whatever yeah. you see in silent hill is reflection on what you have going on in your life and that's kind of what southland is doing a bit where the problems that the person is reflected on they keep coming back to something or they keep trying to run away from something in the first one right where we did, have did you call it did you call it southland excuse not southland no excuse me southbound <laughs> southbound uh the southland of southbound yeah 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 is yeah, showing yeah. us uh is showing us the the things that people need to face or at least seem to think that they need to face but it's the fact that they're not explaining all of that and i got very frustrated when this transition from this film to the next was he had been talking to a woman in a payphone. Yeah, that this entire time. And was it just her? That that part really kind of aggravated me a bit. Um, and the fact that when she ends up going into this bar, the main argument that they're having and the main conversation is that she doesn't want to close a door. It, right. It, it's so it's, it has nothing to do with anything that just happened. No, it has nothing. It's just yeah. Was she just crank calling a guy and walking her through him through like it kind of undermines what went before. Well, you realize I what these. Like if, I mean, you realize what these people are pretty early on. 
You know, you realize right. that they're all, it's a demon bar and they're all demons. So whatever she was doing was some sort of demonic thing to mess with whoever. So we don't know exactly who she is or is she just, uh, you know, is she some major demon that is just putting on the guise of a human? You know what I mean? Um, like a trickster demon type thing. So I, I get where that's going. Um, but then we're wondering who else was on the phone. How did they all get on there? Was it just her? But all that's ignored because we follow this woman as the guy drives off into this bar. They have that weird conversation about closing a door, which is really kind of dumb, where they're like, I'll buy you a beer if you close the door, when it's just two seconds of getting up and closing a damn door. Yeah, it's it it's arbitrary and it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It felt like they were trying to throw in some sort of Tarantino esque dialogue that just backfired. Right. It, it didn't really. And work also, in this one, the the soundtrack's a little obnoxious. I found like it, this is a nitpick, but they just have this clearly ripping off of like a uh, John Carpenter esque like synth okay, going yeah, yeah. on for no good reason. Uh, it. it if it it gave me weird vibes of like hobo with a shotgun, but not even <laughs> as campy or as right. fun as that. Right. Uh, it, it, for some reason, it just felt needless. The, this well, entire exchange. This of this, this whole trip. this whole um one in general kind of felt needless to me because there was it didn't really feel like there were any stakes. No one was ever freaking out when the bartender kind of gets taken. The guy says, "Hey, we're gonna go find his sister," or whatever. No one seems. There's no sense of urgency. He pulls the gun on these people. He shoots this demon thing, finds out it's a demon, or maybe he knows they're demons, but then just doesn't seem too phased by it. And then kind of goes back to just being casual guy talking to this bartender. Then he's freaking out a bit. Then he's not. There, The tonal changes are a little too much. Uh, I, absolutely. And, and th there's no this stakes. One is too... it, it just doesn't feel like yeah. there's stakes. Everybody in this scene is way too well established in this world for us to identify with anyone. There's no regular person to really latch on to. Like, we have uh, Lucas who's looking for his sister. Uh, or no, excuse me, not not the driver. That's the driver of the car, excuse me. Um, I forget his name, but bearded man looking for his sister. Danny. That's Danny the, is looking Danny, for Danny, Danny. So, Danny. yeah, and now it... Yeah, Danny's looking for his sister. It's, it's a basic story of sister disappeared all this time ago. He's been looking for her for years, and he tries trying to, to track her. her down. Yeah, it, it's it's basically like a like a vampire type story where the person's been taken by you know whatever master vampire, and she's been raised in this type cult thing. Except I guess with this, it's demons, and she can be young forever. Uh, and this is what she wanted, but the brother keeps trying to interfere. They end up killing the the bartender. He blows his head off with a shotgun or something, or shoots him through the chest. For whatever. some reason, yeah. And, but there, it just it's just done, and you're like, all right, okay. And then he drives with his sister through the desert. There's a bunch of weird like visions or something that happen. I forget, man. It. I watched it and just kind of zoned out he's, a little bit. It just wasn't. He sees, he sees it visions of what it appears to be his sister. Uh, in that context, I it's I I think the main thing is th this one is clearly trying to ground uh, this place as a real place, tangential to the real world where she was clearly found. Something happened in her life where 
she wanted to be there. Well, like, it says, I mean, she, and she she ended up, like, she reveals, like, she killed their parents. Yeah. And that's why she wants to live in this town, because it makes her happy, and she likes it. And that's, that's the type of thing that she, she wants. And that Danny just doesn't understand that. And then the demons end up attacking Danny and, and kill him. And then she ends up driving away. And then yeah. you see another creature the... basically kind of watching her and just that's... there yeah yeah i and at the sake of we sacrificed a decent story because it wasn't one for just world building of this place because the, all the real facts that we gather about this place from this point is people can go here when they have had something like this happen to them and it seems like they can just find it or it I, finds them. Like I mean, if or they it finds them. It, it's a kind of yeah. If they search it's a place for you it, attain. it will find them just as much as they're looking for it. So, and, and I, I, I get it. Um, it just it didn't really gel together for me as a whole. And then we get to into our final story, which is also directed by Radio Silence, called "The Way In," and it is our wraparound story essentially that felt very too much like the strangers or any of these other films that we've seen a home invasion type film that had a twist in it but <laughs> so i i feel like th this last short was kind of wanting to wrap up the type of tension that the first one kind of had where it's all premeditated context that somebody knows why who somebody else is but we don't we're not explained why really and things just sort of happen to people for the sake of happening because this is the this is the crazy world that we're in i i and, and with the exception of just a monster showing up a tentacled beast dragging them to hell i didn't really feel any sort of resonance with this which is strong which is weird because the like first bookend to the middle of this movie is actually quite good i found but it just peters off into this these two, last two segments which i like i don't even feel that like confident to speak on with any sort of like real positive outlook because it it, it does peter off i will say that but i will say that like i i i like the idea of these stories i like the trappings of an anthology film in horror because i i'm a big fan of those twilight zone type stories where you're never fully sure what's happened but you get a very nice tense mysterious sort of story and i think the problem is is that this took itself more seriously as a mystery rather than a horror piece and didn't even really follow through on either yeah yeah i mean this this final one is is just very basic it's um you know a girl and her parents going and basically just going off to a vacation house and these guys show up and try to kill them and it's it's very very simple and you can already tell who these guys two of these guys are when they come in you're like oh one's tall and one's short okay these are our guys from the beginning of the movie you can just tell. At least I could. They end up tying up the parents. The girl is told that she can leave. Like, they, they're basically going to let the girl go. And then the guy who had the daughter basically says something about an eye for an eye and kills the wife in front of the husband. 
So the husband did something that I guess led to this guy, guy's daughter's death, maybe a car accident or something like that. That's what kind of what it seems like. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. happened, and now he revenge, wants revenge. Some sort of thing, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the husband ends up getting murdered. Uh, and then the daughter, man, it it's a very, it's a very strange moment um, that happens because she attacks one of the guys um you know she's told that she can leave and then basically she comes back and fights them she's like i'm not gonna leave um she beats them with a bat and some stuff and then as she's trying to get away and it looks like she's gonna be our final girl she ends up getting stabbed in the chest and dying uh and you're like all right well this is how they got blood on them i guess this is how it ends and now it just gets strange because the guy feels bad about what happened. He's like, this went too far, this went too far. And then the ground outside opens up. All this weird shit starts happening. And the three bodies, you see those creatures, those husk-like creatures from earlier, emerge out of their bodies. And you realize that that's them, their, their souls or whatever, are these demonic creatures now that come after them and chase them down. Um, so the guys try to escape, they get in their truck, we see the ground fall away in a very, very, it, it looks pretty bad to me, the one, it, I won't say it, it looks exactly like this, but on the cheese level, it reminded me of, like, the Langoliers, with its really cheesy, let's destroy everything around us and turn it into darkness, that's kind of what it looked like to me. Yeah, uh, and I, I feel like they kind of, they overstayed their welcome with these creatures' designs, based on, like, what they did. Because I really yeah. like them interlaced throughout. Sure. Uh, rather than just like some big conflict at the end. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Th- this, story, this story kind of soured me on the beginning. A yeah, bit it does, because doesn't it? I want... Because clearly this is like, oh, this is like the flashback that we're going to get to see. But it... Like, I would have wished that like maybe that little girl is some form of that gas station attendant that was just saying like, come back again. Like... Maybe. Just torturing them and, like, being some sort of revenge for her parents. Maybe. Something tangential I mean, it, it, to it make was... some sort of thematic thing come back to where we once were. It doesn't round the bend on this. Yeah, it felt like too, where... many, loose, it felt like too many loose ends and too many... Um, it almost felt like they wanted to have a sequel from it. So if they start just making a strange world, they can just basically touch back on whatever they want to at any time. But that doesn't that doesn't necessarily make it all work with what it is, but yeah, then one of the guys at the end of the film gets dragged away by these tentacles and dragged into hell, I guess, and that's that's pretty much how it ends. They drive down, and we get Larry we get Larry Fessenden as the DJ, which was great. I like Larry Fessenden. I think it's awesome that he was playing the uh, the DJ on the radio, kind of the one voice that intertwines every single story. Yeah, that kind of has a sort of uh, voice in what's going to be happening next. And right. And sort of tells you the moral of the story. Sure, and I, I thought that and... was really cool. But, you know, with a film like this that has five stories, two of them are actually part of one story as a wraparound, it needs to be strong. It needs to be a very strong film. It's kind of like how Creepshow 2, when anytime people talk about it, the only one that they like is The Raft. The rest of them, people don't really like. They're, and there's just two other stories. And that's only, you know, when one-third of a film is solid, that's that's terrible. Um, does not make, it does not make a good film. Yeah. No, it and doesn't. I, and I think I think more than a third of this is good. I, I will say that. Yes. But it's bits and pieces say, that come together. I would together. say half. 
I yeah, would say I would just s- about half. Like one story, the one story that I think is is pretty solid is the accident. The rest yes, of them, I, I think that's the the standout of all of them. The rest of them have have good points and bad points. I would say Jailbreak kind of felt it, it just didn't it didn't work for me. No, I, I would say neither as well. Um, I think there's potential for all of this, but it felt like they were touching on a lot of films that were done in the 80s like some of these some of these stories just felt very reminiscent of other stuff like jailbreak for some reason reminded me of like near dark for some uh, near dark meets like um near dark meets feast meets lost boys or something like they were just kind of cherry picking certain yeah they were trying to find a certain vibe that wasn't really sticking the landing whereas the best ones from this at least from the first half were kind of going on their own or sticking to tried and true things that were uh good in the sense of uh uh, what is in the case of what is it siren for uh for that family i i so like to, to sum sum up for me i i don't think i could recommend it like just for the accident alone, because that's clearly the strongest thing it has going for it. Because it just it puts on display the uh, the talent of David Bruckner, like because he's he can make a tightly wound sort of tense story with limited resources that he has, and uh, I like it, but it doesn't make enough for a whole movie, and it certainly doesn't carry the entire movie to greatness. But I do like the vibe that it was trying to go for. I'm just, I'm disappointed that it didn't stick the landing at all. Yeah, I, I didn't, this is a very divisive film for me because there's parts of it that I really do enjoy. And yeah, I, I don't, I cannot wholeheartedly recommend it. If you're a fan of anthology films and you just love anthology films and that's your thing, give it a watch. I think there are things that you will enjoy from it. Um... Some people probably really love this film, and that and that's great. Like I, I I'm glad because you know this definitely was a a labor of love for a lot of these filmmakers. Um, because exactly. It wasn't and very... in my curiosity, in my curiosity, Rob, would you say this is would this is this even the worst anthology movie that you've seen? No, not even close. Like okay, this, good. Well, that's no, that, that's fine at least. I've seen some really, really, really bad anthology films. Um, now the guys who produced this, it, you know, they're the guys from Bloody Disgusting, uh, a lot of them, um, and they they worked and in, in from VHS and, and those films. This is also, you know, I'm very hit or miss with those movies as well. There's stuff that I really, really love from VHS, uh, from the VHS series as a whole, and there's some other shorts that I just really didn't like. But that doesn't make them. And those are films that I'm I'm hit or miss with recommending as well. Sometimes I'm like, yes, VHS two, especially for the for the cult one, um, I recommend the entire movie just because that one is so strong. But there's other parts of that film that I totally forget about because I'm just not a fan of those shorts. And I think that in this case, because they intertwine so much, it is more bits and pieces. It, that that's why it's that's why it's a harder movie to recommend for me because there are certain characters that you see in multiple segments that I'm like, oh, I like those characters. There are certain elements that I'm like, oh, I really thought that was cool that they kept that going through the whole film. You know what? I always say it's worth checking out. It, it's always worth a watch, uh, especially in this one because I I didn't hate it by any stretch. I just it didn't yeah. grasp me. It didn't grab onto me the way that I was hoping it would. Mm-hmm. I found it frustrating because I, I think up until that last half or the first half, 
um, it's got me. Like, it got me interested. And I, my attention and my, uh, I guess, collective excitement about the movie just really petered off after the last two. And it, it's it's a shame. So uh, I wouldn't wholeheartedly recommend it because it, so, solely on your word that there are better ones, even though this aren't this isn't the worst anthology film. And I kind of... I would have liked the idea of this uh, gimmick working with the interwoven stories rather than something like a VHS where it's literally popping in another tape. Sure, so, and there, you know there is that overarching story that they do in VHS as well, but right. there's there's more of a differentiation between them. Um, but yeah, you know this is this is kind of a check it out if if you want to and if you've seen it already you know shoot us some comments let us know what you think and why you personally like it or dislike it um just you know we we want to hear from you guys so please you know uh shoot us an email send us some messages or reviews on on what you think of what you think of this film absolutely and uh give us a review let us know what you think about the show and uh that really helps us out you can check us out on instagram itunes anywhere you get your podcast let us know what you think. You can contact us at ohthehorrorcast at gmail.com. And that's going to do it for us this week. Yeah. What do we got next week, Rob? Well, we are going to take a look at It Follows. That's a fun movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what this is. It was a lot of hype, and I actually didn't get to see it when it was every all the rage. So, wow, yeah. Uh, it, it, looking forward to it. It is. It's a lot of fun. I, I watched it again the other day. I think you'll have a good time. I really do. I hope so, too. So that's going to do it for us this week. I'm Steve Allman. I'm Rob Holmes. And I'll see you guys next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.